Welcome to the first ever episode of the Gaming Corner Podcast. As always, I'm your host Jacob, known online as Private Problems, and I'm here to bring you enjoyment and information from the world of nerd. If you like tabletop games to video games or comic books to content creators, this will be a podcast for you. I will bring you each week some gaming and non-gaming news that hit the socials while you were busy. Then, you'll hear my opinion on some tabletop games, whether it be tips to a board game, learning about a new board game, or some chat about D&D. After that is all said and done, we will enter the video game chat room. I will pull up a game and talk about it. Each week there will be a different game from AAA to Indie. The chat will include my opinion and some side information about what to do or some fun facts about the game. Let's get started. Sit back, put the headset on, and let's full dive into this week's episode of Gaming Corner Podcast. Weekly gaming news for June 29th to July 6th. Let's get started. For Xbox Games with Gold, we got World Rally Championship 8, Dunklords, Saints Row 2, and Juju. Personally, I don't think this is a good lineup, so let's see what we got next month's Xbox. Also, Xbox Studios has renewed the trademark for Fable on June 26th. It was approved on June 30th, so this is great because it looks like we'll be getting a new Fable game, which I'm excited for. Because through the 360, I love the Fable series. Uh, July 6th, today, is where I'm recording this, I saw that Xbox Canada confirmed Xbox Showcase will be held on July 23rd at 9 a.m. Pacific. So let's hope we see those games we're excited for for the Series X. Okay, so PlayStation. The games with Plus in July are NBA 2K20, Rise of the Tomb Raider 20 Year Celebration, and a bonus game Erica. I haven't played any PS4 games, so I can't really comment on them. Uh, and also, I'm not a big sport fan. So hopefully that NBA game is going to be a good steal for all you sports fans. Seeing this, um, PlayStation is giving you a free theme for 10 years of PlayStation Plus. Let's hope that this will be uh, a benefit to you and that it looks good for your PlayStation. General news for July 2nd. Uh, Bethesda announced that partnered with Amazon Studios and Kilter Films that there will be a new Fallout TV series. If they can pull off what Netflix did with The Witcher, I'm all for this happening. Also, we got Tencent Studios starting up a new AAA game in LA, uh, snagging veteran rock star developer Steve Martin. Let's just hope that this doesn't affect GTA 6 because Rockstar... We want a new game. Uh, June 30th, Mr. Beast, a YouTuber, launched a competition for one person to win $25,000 US, also only by keeping a finger on an app. After 70 hours of the competition, it finally comes to an end by Mr. Beast offering the remaining four players $25,000 and, well, not $25,000, $20,000 and telling them to go to sleep. Congratulations to you guys. That's a lot of cash. And also, after a couple months of COVID hiatus, the Critical Role D&D podcast started back up on July uh, 2nd for the 100th episode of the Mighty Nine campaign. On the same note, talk about Critical Role, Matthew Mercer, the DM, will be playing Strahd for the Wizards D&D Into the Mist Season 2 premiere. You can check that out at twitch.tv forward slash realmsmith. Also, they're not a sponsor, I just like D&D. Comic books for July, new releases, 
DC fans will see Nightwing at uh, number 72, Justice League number 49, and Aquaman number 61. Those will be releasing July 14th, and on the 15th for the Marvel fans, you'll be seeing Amazing Spider-Man number 44, Venom number 26, and The Immortal Hulk number 35. Now, go get yourself a comic book while we start diving into the tabletop opinions. Let's talk about tabletop games. So, firstly, let's talk about D&D. Um, I started playing D&D in 2019 only for a couple months after playing a couple months of Pathfinder. Uh, I wish I could have played longer or even started sooner as both my campaigns came to an end when my wife got pregnant and we had a kid and then we moved. Uh, since moving, we have not found um, a group of people to play with and there aren't many people that I've seen around our location that are interested in playing D&D. Uh, I prefer playing D&D over Pathfinder uh, with 5th edition just because I find it easier to understand and it is easier to find the information you need on YouTube or the internet just because of how big the community is. Um, with having a big community also gives you potentially a lot more people to play with online if you want to play online. Uh, but we can talk about that later. When I created my characters uh, for D&D, I made a chaotic neutral half-orc barbarian. I find half-orcs to be pretty well versatile, uh, intimidating, and really easy to uh, play as a new player. They don't deal with any magic or anything. It's just you get to use your fists, your swords, your shields, whatever, and hit stuff. Uh, speaking about magic, as a new player, it's more intimidating to get into, I think, uh, just because you have to focus on, well, depending on your type of campaign, uh, you have to focus on like the compounds you need to use, whether it be like actual items or verbal uh, speaking or whatever. It gets very intricate. Uh, so it may be hard to understand with having spell lists and whatever. So new players, definitely get yourself a barbarian. Uh, so playing D&D, as just like a regular player, it intrigued me to try being the dungeon master. But unfortunately, I could not find myself creative enough to tell a story, uh, even after using a pre-made adventure that I've bought, and now it's just sitting on a shelf. The, so other than that, let's uh, talk about uh, some Roll20. Uh, Roll20, it's an online website that you can play D&D with. Uh, I tried to get into it after playing, after stopping playing with the physical group because I still wanted to play, but I didn't have anybody. So I looked into playing Roll20 and D&D online, uh, but I couldn't get into it. Having seen like the map online, um, not having, not being a physical copy or not actually having the $6 action figures or not action figures, but your D&D figures, and seeing people in the the game lag with their mic and the mic quality not being that good. I can't say that I have good mic quality right now, but in general, it was really, it took away from the, my opinion, it took away from the immersion that you need for D&D. Uh, if Roll20 works for you, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, so, earlier I mentioned uh, Critical Role. 
Uh, when I stopped playing D&D, and even when I started playing, I looked into ways to find out more about D&D, uh, which led me to finding the Critical Role podcast uh, and Twitch show, YouTube channel, whichever way you listen to them. Um, just because the writers of D&D, I wanted to learn more. It's such a huge game and they have so much to offer. Uh, with, with Critical Role, um, I never started with their Vox Machina campaign. Uh, instead, I took to the newer stuff and joined listening uh, with the Mighty Nine. Currently, I'm only on like episode 30 and they have, of what, July 2nd, they had their 100th episode of uh, Critical Role, uh, Mighty Nine campaign, and they're like four hours each. So it's a lot to go, and I still need to catch up, but I'm also mind blown. The voice actors, Matthew Mercer, Laura Bailey, Ashley Jenkins, and more, there are quite a few of them. Uh, they really make the game more fun to watch, listen to, and makes me really want to play, especially when you see them using props and figures and the way they all interact with each other. It's impressive. So for any new players um, wanting to get into D&D, I suggest finding yourself a small physical group. You can be five, three, ten, I don't know, just getting yourself a physical group. And maybe if you need a DM because none, none of your friends or yourself have you played D&D, just put your name in a hat pull it out and see who gets to be the DM um, or someone just put your name in. Uh, I suggest either making yourself, if you have the time, a one-shot uh, adventure, which is usually it's just an adventure that you make up. Uh, well, not you make up, but you have just, it doesn't continue. So once you finish that day's worth of playing, that, can, that adventure doesn't continue. Um, do that or Go buy yourself a pre-made adventure like I did called Minds of Fendelver. It's a starter kit. comes with pre-made characters so that it's easier for your players to actually play. Uh, so they don't have to take the time and make it a character. Or get the Minds of Fendelver and use uh, your custom characters. I also suggest making yourself like a map with uh, the squares on them or hex hexagons. Uh, or buy one like I did from... Uh, from Dungeon Craft, it's it came pre-made. It's pretty nice, but if you don't have money, definitely just make yourself one. But also get yourself figures. Get yourself the figures for your players, your figures for your enemies. These add to the possibilities that your players can actually think um, and see what they can do. You're in a game with you're supposed to be using your imagination, so having these figures will definitely help drive your character's imaginations so that they can um, they can enjoy the game more, I, I, I think. Also, uh, for new players, make sure you have an understanding with your DM that you are new and you don't know what to do. I say that like if, if you actually are joining a pre-made group with somebody who knows how to D&D or how to DM. Um, this should make it so that your DM is more patient with you and will help guide you towards the objective but not force you towards it. Remember, you still need to have fun and see what other things your dungeon master has to offer, but don't, do, don't go too crazy because he might want to kill you. Maybe his uh, natural 20 was actually a fail. Overall, I find D&D to be an amazing game that even if you think it may be too nerdy or embarrassing to play, you should probably try it, especially if you have friends who are interested in it.
With a good group of players, you can spend hours playing and having your imagination go wild. Also, D&D offers unofficial and official versions of the game, such as playing Lord of the Rings, but D&D, or if you're a fan of Elder Scrolls, there's that too. There's also, I believe, the space editions, but depends what you want, depends what you can do, right? So let's move on from D&D and talk about the board game of the day. The board game I'm going to talk today about is called uh, Forbidden Islands. Uh, this game's not well known and you may not see it in your big name stores such as Target, Walmart, whatever, but you'll, you might find it at your local uh, game shop. Uh, it's created by uh, developers, I think you want to call them, or creators, uh, GameRight, and they have another similar game uh, to Forbidden Island called Forbidden Desert. I have not tried that game yet, but might might be coming. So Forbidden Island game, the box states that is for ages 10 plus, last 30 minutes, and for two to four players. I personally have not had a 30 minute game. They're either a lot shorter or a lot longer. But that's probably just because I suck at it. The goal of the game is to gather artifacts before the island sinks into the abyss. Well, at least that's what I think it is. Uh, the game offers a couple ways to lose, but only one way to win. Uh, I also, it may say 10 plus, but as an adult, I find this game really fun to play. It's similar to the game Pandemic, but instead of needing to use your cards to cure a disease, you need to use your cards to gather artifacts and save uh, parts of the island from keeping them uh, afloat or keeping them from sinking. Some of the players are very useful, like the pilot. If you have the last artifact and the island, the island is about to sink, you can use the pilot's ability to fly everyone off uh, from, one, from one spot to the launch pad and because the launch pad is where you need to end the game. And doing that with the pilot, it's a lot handier. The game, I find also, is a lot, a lot different than your traditional games like Monopoly or Catan as there are not many house rules that you can go go off of. Um, you may be able to create your own, but there's also, there are ways to make it more challenging. Like go online and you can look up new layouts for the map as the game really only comes with one quote unquote layout. Um, doing that can make it a lot harder to retrieve or keep the island afloat and also getting the artifacts. Uh, speaking about the artifacts, why are you collecting them? Maybe they have some kind of power that you can sacrifice all your cards and get a random chance of saving or destroying a part of an island. That would be interesting, right? So the, the players in this game are the diver, explorer, engineer, navigator, pilot, and messenger. may not take it from me because I might suck at it, but my strategy when I play the game with at least four people, is to have the engineer, the diver, the pilot, and the messenger. That is because the pilot can fly anyone without having to use the helicopter card. The engineer can save up to more than one um, tile on its turn, uh, and that helps for the survivability of the game. The diver can travel through uh, tiles that have turned into the abyss, which I don't know how that works, but it's pretty cool because everybody else can only... Uh, go on the tiles um, and also who else did I say the messenger 
Messenger is very handy because he can, uh, or you can treasure the, uh, give a treasure card to anyone anywhere in the game. So that helps towards collecting the artifacts. These four players make it so you can focus on a one or two player gathering artifacts and the other two keeping the island afloat so you have a better chance at winning because it is pretty difficult, especially if you do not know what you're doing, to win the game. Out of the four characters I mentioned, I prefer playing the engineer so I can keep the island floating because a support character is very fun and very, very well needed in this game. Uh, so enough about uh, tabletop games, let's move on to the big topic of tonight, video games. Alright, the big topic of tonight, video games. Which one are we going to pick today? Is it going to be an indie or is it going to be a triple A? Well, I'm picking triple A because why not? Uh, the game for tonight I'm going to talk about is Elder Scrolls Online. Some people don't really care for it, some people do. It's a game that I find interesting because I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls uh, franchise. But I also had some, uh, some struggle getting into the Elder Scrolls franchise because looking at Oblivion and Skyrim, um, they can get redundant or repetitive where let's say Oblivion, you've got to get that gate, destroy that gate. Oh look, another gate opened up, get into it, destroy it. And they all look the same. Um, Elder Scrolls Online, I first started playing it back when it came out on PC. Can't really remember exactly when that was. I only had the trial, so it wasn't really a, a, a big time of playing it. And I don't think I really got to do as much as I wanted to. And they didn't really offer people with trials a lot to do, I think. So I kind of got uh, disappointed um, that the game from a series I really liked did not so well as an MMO. Because everybody wanted to play Skyrim with their friends, right? Uh, and also another prison escape. I, I was getting sick of them just because every single Elder Scrolls game that I can remember or I've played has been escape from a prison. Uh, so early in 2020, uh, I decided for some reason I, I wanted to play Skyrim again. Uh, so I downloaded and played it on my PC, or not my PC, my Xbox. But I don't have, I don't, I'm not a big fan of using mods. Um, so I was trying to live, live the franchise over again. And that's when my Elder Scrolls fan, fanboy in me came out and I decided to download Elder Scrolls online and give it another chance. But this time using my Xbox and Xbox game pass, because that makes it somewhat free just because I don't have to pay the 30 bucks to get the game. Um, so if you came into Elder Scrolls Online by yourself like I did and no, not having any, any friends join you, I found it that you really need to get onto that guild finder and find yourself a guild uh, with at least active helpful players. Also, the guild finder is not well laid out in the game. They could have done a lot better to at least search for guilds. But from what, from what I've heard from people in the game, it's come a long way from having to look on Facebook for guilds to actually having a guild finder. Uh, with guilds, uh, they can be very helpful uh, because they make you feel more like, well, depends on the guild, more like a, a 
part of a community instead of being a number to help them get to those milestones. Um, they can also help give you tips uh, of what there is to do, uh, what kind of builds work towards PVE or PVP, or even getting yourself your materials and recipes to finish your first master rate. I joined the Lore Seekers Guild. Uh, they help uh, me as a lot getting some training gear to get my uh, characters up to level 50. And just also, yeah, having a master writ. Like I never did a master writ before. They didn't even know what it was until I joined uh, a helpful guild. Um, so sometimes guilds, like, yeah, you can, depending on what kind of guild you join, you can join five guilds, right? So you can get overwhelmed and you can start feeling like you're just a number in every guild or depending on how they're laid out, you might be able to uh, make it so that you actually feel like you're, you belong. Uh, and talk about the five guilds, that could be helpful joining all five, having all five of your guild traders or guild slots up. Because if you joined a nice active small guild, but they only have 30 members, they can't get a guild trader, right? So getting yourself into a trading guild, if you want to make some money as a merchant, do that as well. And just be active in all the guilds you're in, because the more you're active, the more you help that guild, and the more you have, the more you get enjoyment out of the game. And you might get make some new friends. So let's talk about questing. Um, I don't find questing something you should be able to do as a group just because you. I think you should be able to absorb, absorb the story, at least if you're doing it for your first time and actually want to know much about it. If you're um, going for zone completion or skill points, then yeah, get go ahead and grab some friends. Uh, but if you're trying to do it for your first time and enjoy it, definitely do it by yourself and do the main storyline, such as the Harborage quest line with the Prophet, or depending on what faction you belong to, do all those and actually take the time to listen because Zenimax has put a lot of time and money into making a good, good uh, story. Um, one of my big things with video games is fishing. I will, no matter what game it is, <laughs> Fortnite or whatever, I will actually go and have my fun playing playing fishing, even though I'm not really good at it in real life. I have only gone fishing a couple times, but for some reason in video games, that is my go-to skill. Let's say RuneScape. I I played so much of RuneScape just fishing. I didn't care about the combat or whatever. Fishing needs to be done right, but not many games do it. And that's where the fishing in Elder Scrolls comes in. Um, I don't find that Elder Scrolls did it right. So that's unfortunate, um, especially because they have a title called Master Angler. It makes you want to actually like be proud of getting that title where in Elder Scrolls, if you get it, you just feel like you did a pointless grind because it's just the fishing is like any other MMO where you click, uh, where click, wait, retrieve, repeat, click, wait, retrieve, repeat. Uh, there's one game or two games I've played that had, to me, a really good fishing implementation. Those games are Arc Age and Sea of Thieves. Not many people may have known 
about Arc Age, um, as it's only a PC game. And but they have probably my favorite type of fishing because they have two. They have the original basic MMO fishing where you just sit and wait, or they have a sport type fishing where you actually have to um, chum the water, uh, fight the fish like you do in real life where you're trying to make it tired, going the opposite way the fish is going. Uh, that is really interesting. And also those fish cost a lot more. Um, seeing Elder Scrolls do it, it's kind of like disappointing. Because let's say you're going to go lake fishing and you're like, oh, I need to go find this huge lake. And you, you look on the map and there's no huge lakes, but you see a spot of water. And that spot of water is one foot deep. And in my opinion, probably couldn't even hold a goldfish. And they're like, oh yeah, this is your lake. And then you go fishing in it and you somehow pick up huge fish. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, also, uh, fishing spots are not frequent enough. Um, we went to Riften with my guild to do a fishing event and there's this huge, huge lake and out of that huge lake, maybe about five fishing spots and you, they don't, they don't respond fast enough. So it's kind of, if you want to go for that master angler title, it's going to be a very boring, long grind and not really worth it. Uh, so Zenimax online studios, you need better fishing. Maybe I can help you. Hmm. Dungeons. Dragons? Nah. But they can be fun to do as the higher level you get, the more dungeons you unlock. Which, maybe you'll see a dragon. That's for Zenimax to know and you to find out. Uh, at level 10, uh, you unlock the dungeon finder as well as other like PvP finders. But at level 10, I really think it's a good idea after you've done all those questings or quests and just learning the game to try something new, take a break from questing, as it shows you more uh, what ESO has to offer. Uh, also, maybe try some PVP, but dungeons is really good because every time you do a brand new dungeon, you will get a small quest that you can do for that dungeon. And also you will get a nice reward and a nice little bonus um, for your character. Also, like, Dungeons can get repetitive just because uh, you the higher level you get, the more you unlock. So if you're a low level and you just want to do dungeons, you're going to be doing Spindle Clutch, which is a dungeon, like 30, 40 times before you unlock a new dungeon, which that can get boring and not really fun at that point. Uh, and just remember, when you get to level 160, you're going to be doing a lot of dungeons to get that monster gear you want or that nice set of armor. Um, speaking about armor, you don't need to focus on getting an actual nice armor set until you hit 160. Everything else, just get some of your friends, get you some training gear, find some random stuff around, just put it on. Especially if you're just doing PVE, you don't you don't need a new uh, you don't need a good set. But what you do need a good set for is battlegrounds or campaigns. Those are the PVP that unlock at level 10 as well. Uh, there's different types. You'll have uh, battlegrounds uh, and campaigns like Cyrodiil and Imperial Sewers. I find the campaigns are interesting because if you've ever played Planet Side or yeah or any game with three factions, you pretty much have to 
capture all faction like your whole game and it's just a three faction war it's really cool uh, but it also offers pve content which can be can be fun but also very scary when you're doing a dolmen and fighting these npcs and all of a sudden a wave of the aldermary dominion elves come up and attack you from behind it you definitely need to be with a group on that too but for battlegrounds uh, i've never really i played a little bit of it just because i wanted to play with my friends but battlegrounds doesn't offer that it's a random you join in a random lobby and you play uh, and for you low levels um, it can be disheartening seeing a level 810 in your lobby and easily wipe you out but just you just got to pick the right lobby you want to be able to pick non-cp just so that those 810s can't use their advantage they actually have to use their skill right so take your time learn what the game has offered by playing um taking break from questing playing dungeons and definitely trying the campaigns out uh, another benefit for the campaigns is you if your faction wins in Cyrodiil or I believe Imperial as well I haven't won yet in that but you can you make extra extra gold so gold is pretty hard to in my opinion to get as a player who just plays casually so definitely if you need some extra bucks get yourself into Cyrodiil try and win the game um, and maybe when you get to 810 you can get the win bring yourself the ruby throne and become the uh, former emperor which that's a title if you don't know it's pretty hard to get you gotta actually be pretty much playing pvp every day for eight hours a day maybe to get yourself the emperor title because you gotta be the best in your faction and win the war so there's there's also a lot of things in the game that i i did not mention but sometimes I think you need more characters. You, I believe you get eight character slots that you can have at the start. Maybe that's too much, but uh, that's everybody's own opinion. I personally have about four characters, and two of them, two to three of them, I use constantly. Um, my my main character used to be my just my all character, but then I decided I need more. So I turn my main character into my crafter. Uh, so I'll take my main character, I'll use all the skill points that were given, and I'll focus on getting all his crafting bonuses up, using all the points to get his uh, his skill point, his crafting skills up. Even though there's not that many skill points from the start, you'll have to actually go out and grind and find some skill points by doing quests or getting all the sky shards what have you, but you definitely won't have enough skill points to do everything with one character. That's why I suggest getting more characters. Um, I also have a PvP character, which he's more so my guild master when I'm playing. I use him to run the guild just because I'm trying to make my guild PvP focused. So having a PvP character run the guild, in my opinion, is better. Um, and you can also then not have to worry about putting skill points towards crafting and stuff when you have yourself a crafting character. You can focus on getting those champion points or skill points to what you need and grinding to get that character stronger. Uh, I also have myself a lore character, which 
if you don't want to do questing on all your uh, characters and actually listen to it, get yourself a brand new character and take your time and try to, it's a good challenge, try to listen to all the, everything an NPC has to say, but do it on like a, your lore character. Um, it's, it's a fun, different way to play the game. And yeah, it's, it mind blows me what, what they have to offer, especially because I've been doing it in the Greymore update and seeing Skyrim, uh, what is it, a thousand years before the actual Skyrim episode, uh, Skyrim game came out. It's pretty interesting. Well done, uh, Xenomax. Uh, another thing with Elder Scrolls is looking at buying ESL Plus or not. Do you really want to spend that extra cash, which in Canadian dollars, it's, I believe, 17 bucks extra instead of where in Americans, it's 14 or 12, can't remember. But do you really want to spend the extra uh, money and how much of a benefit is it to you? Uh, that depends, right? The biggest benefit I find of ESO Plus is having the crafting bag. If, you're, if you are a crafter, that's probably the biggest thing you need because it separates your ingredients that you find from your actual your actual inventory space and you can just hold unlimited amount of butterfly wings or whatever you find out there worms now also another benefit i find is the monthly uh crowns you get 1500 crowns that you can go towards purchasing purchasing whatever you want you can save them up or you can spend them right away and if you want to unlock that new race or that new class, whatever, and you don't want to spend 30 bucks for 10 crowns or whatever it is, that's a good benefit. And another one is you get all the DLCs unlocked for having uh, ESO Plus, but you don't get the newest chapter. So Greymore came out. You can't play Greymore if you have ESO Plus. You actually have to um, buy that chapter, which kind of is crappy in that way, but they got to make money too, right? Um, the, the biggest downfall I find about having ESO Plus is if you stop paying for it, you lose all these features. So all all these, uh, if you're working on yourself, let's say you're going to a Orsinium and you're trying to 100% that zone and all of a sudden your ESO Plus ends and your character is stuck there, it's not, he won't, it's not actually stuck. They'll, they'll get teleported out, it, out of it. But you, you're like, oh, crap. I, don't, I can't go back into ES, uh, Orsinium and can finish my story. And who knows when you're going to get ESO Plus again. And now you just forgot about that zone. So having ESO Plus, it's, I prefer having physical copies of my, my things. So I actually would... I actually bought myself Orsinium, so just in case I do loot ESO Plus, I can still go in there and play it. Um, the crafting bag too, you'll lose that. And I believe you can still take things out of the crafting bag, but now if you gather anything, it doesn't go back into it. So now you'll be filling up your inventory again. Uh, so if you're a big explorer or big into crafting, ESO Plus is definitely for you. But you can still, if you're not, you can still enjoy the game without it. I've seen many people who've played for four or five, four years, I believe, not five, because I don't think it's been out that long. But I've seen people who've been playing for four years 
that have never used ESO Plus and they're level 810 and they've, they've enjoyed the game the whole time. They just spend maybe a lot more money because they're buying the DLCs and whatever, but whatever. Another thing, um, if you're a big fan of video game lore or even a fan of um, the Elder Scrolls franchise, I find this game is going to be great for you. Uh, just because there's some, there's a lot of, a lot of things they have to offer in story wise and some fun facts. Um, like a lot of people don't realize that Elder Scrolls Online is actually based off of the second era, especially if you just play Elder Scrolls just because it's an MMO, you're not going to, not going to know that, but the people who love Elder Scrolls, they will, uh, and it's interesting for it being off in the second era because that just shows what they can do to uh, the places you know and how they can change it. Like when I went to Riften for my first time, I hated it because I didn't actually realize how early in the game it was and how much can change. That's like a thousand years before Riften in Skyrim was was made. So of course they have it more wide open and all this stuff and so it's pretty interesting how different and also how much it's still the same like I went to solitude and I was really impressed with how much they kept solitude the same because of how old it is right another um, another thing is oblivion is based off of the third era and Skyrim is fourth so if you need to give yourself like oh how long is it between each game why does why do all these places look different? Why does Cyrodiil look different than Cyrodiil in Oblivion? But that's why. Another thing that is interesting is when you walk past NPCs or temples, sometimes you'll hear them say by the eight or uh, they'll, they'll reference the eight divines, right? But you may be like, hey, no, Skyrim says there's nine. But that's because Talos isn't even born yet. The ninth divine doesn't even exist. So that's one thing when you're playing the game, think of that where you'll go and people, you'll see guilds called the nine divines or whatever. And then people will be like, no, nah, dude, you're wrong. It's, it's the eight. Get your facts straight. I just heard it in a podcast, right? Um, some other things I find is I was walking around and I heard a voice. I'm like, this voice sounds really familiar. Who is it? And so... I'm like, I was playing and kept playing. And all of a sudden I heard it again. I'm like, okay, this sounds really familiar. And it's a peasant that plays Jarl Borgruff in Skyrim. And so I looked up his IMDB and he actually plays a lot of characters in uh, Skyrim and Elder Scrolls Online. It's pretty interesting. And also seeing the nostalgic opening scene in the new Greymore update, that is crazy. Cause it definitely reminds you of the time you've met Ulfric Stormcloak for the first time in the wagon. I'm not going to say more about that because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But it's pretty awesome. So overall, uh, The Elder Scrolls Online is a pretty great game, in my opinion, made by Zenimax Online Studios. Um, but it may take some time for you to get hooked on the game. It's a slow start, leaving your prison and completing another area before getting to your mainland faction. You also may feel discouraged uh, as there's so much things in the store that you need to buy to to advance your game uh, or just 
have fun in the game potentially. It's still fun without buying it, but just how much stuff costs if you want to buy it could be discouraging. But you need to take the time, push through the discouragement, and join a guild as soon as you can. Also, stay away from Riften. With that, thanks for tuning into today's episode. Leave me a review, either on Facebook, Twitter, if you can leave a review on your podcast um, platform of choice, please go ahead and do that. Uh, you can also join me at Facebook and Instagram at Gaming Corner Podcast or Twitter at OG Gaming Corner. Tune in next week as I hope to talk about Call of Duty and bring you more weekly news. Have a good one.